Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, episode 18 for Thursday, November the 9th, 2017. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our sponsor for This Week in Voice is Voice XP, blazing the trail in voice technology. Voice XP is taking the lead in developing Alexa skills for some of the best brands in the world. With Voice XP, all you have to do is say it to revolutionize your marketing strategy. I say it every week because it's true every week. You need to go check them out, www.voicexp.com. You'll be glad that you did. Our guests for today's show are phenomenal. Uh, really pleased to have them. Our first is Brooke Hawkins. Brooke, say hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Brooke, thank you very much for joining us. Yes, no problem. So Brooke is a virtual assistant designer for Nuance Communications. Brooke, share with us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, sure. So I currently work at Nuance Designing Interactive Virtual Assistants, or, or otherwise known as chatbots, um, for different Fortune 500 companies to, to kind of make their customer experience uh, stuff more efficient and conversational and all that good stuff. And when I'm not doing that, I'm teaching a lot of different people about the kind of foundations of voice design. I, I recently helped co-author a course at Career Foundry and uh, continue to mentor students there. So I'm really excited about teaching people about this new burgeoning field as well. Very cool. Uh, it's great to hear the passion in your voice uh, on the topic. And uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us today. Our second guest is Nick Schwab. Nick, say hello. Hey, Bradley. Thanks for having me. So Nick is a senior software engineer for Ford Motor Company and also the founder of Invoked Apps, which is a leading developer of applications for Alexa, Cortana, and Google Assistant. Nick, share a little bit with us about both universes that you live in there. Yeah, so it's basically two full-time jobs, to be honest. So at Ford, I work as a senior software engineer, uh, working on a platform that allows smartphone application developers to connect their applications into the vehicle so they can, they can display on the vehicle screen. Um, and then when I get home in my free time, I am the founder of Invoked Apps. Um, you may have seen some of the skills that we offer, ranging from thunderstorm sounds and rain sounds to the deal or no deal game. Very cool. Yes. And I've been meaning to download your, uh, your rain sounds app. Um, I've seen a lot of the tweets about it from different people. Congratulations on your success. Thank you. Thank you. So with that, we'll get to the news. And a lot of interesting news stories this week as we head toward the end of the calendar year. And our first one is our voicebot.ai story of the week. As I have mentioned before on this show, we have a voicebot.ai story of the week every week. We think that uh, voicebot.ai does a lot of great work reporting uh, news in the voice technology realm and uh, happy to hold some of those up and, and share them. And this is uh, the one for this week. Will I Am raises $117 million to build a new voice assistant called Omega Voice Assistant designed for the enterprise. And Brooke, I'm going to start with you on this. Um, you know, a theme of this show has been at times that we're starting to get saturated with voice assistants and we're starting to get a little saturated with smart speakers, to be honest, at least that's my opinion. Uh, do you share that opinion? Do you think this is going to find a home or uh, what's, your, what's your take? Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. Uh, I know the article kind of pointed out the humor of celebrities kind of taking on technology and being CEOs of these companies. But 
as we've seen with things like um, like Beats and different uh, companies that have been successfully run uh, by celebrities, they they do well, and I think they kind of have a flair for designing for um, almost like the aesthetic or like kind of having a little bit more of a connection to to what consumers might want. Sometimes more so than I see tech companies do on their own. Um, maybe that is a result of them being musicians or having to have a pulse on on kind of like marketing and, and their audience. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the product was, was really interesting. It's promising a lot um, in terms of functionality that I'm not sure it will be able to deliver all of those things. <laughs> um, it, it definitely seemed to focus primarily now on the kind of space that Nuance is actually in, which is that virtual assistant design for for enterprise solutions, but a lot of the promises that they were making in terms of like a slick and really engaging assistant, a voice assistant for employees or businesses was really exciting. Just simply working in kind of like a larger company, there are a lot of like disparate technologies that I use every day, whether that's Microsoft Teams and Outlook and um, different meeting connecting, connection um, tools. It's all very disparate and very not sleek and, and definitely clunky. So <laughs> the kind of vision of me moving through my day in a sleek way, interacting with this one interface that allows me to do a lot of different things is definitely exciting. That would be much easier than all of the clunky different apps that we use to, to share things at times. So I, I see some promise there if, if they get it all together as well as they promise. It's a really good point that this thing from Will I Am, by virtue of him being a celebrity and a musician and an entertainer, may have a finger on the pulse, uh, maybe more usable, maybe more approachable than something that some technology company may put together. That's actually very interesting. And you don't get $117 million given to you by being horrible, uh, usually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh yeah it's all very interesting nick i want to get your take on this as well and especially the you know you you being an alexa champion uh and doing you know different aspects of your uh, work with amazon uh, what was your take from the article and do you think that someone who doesn't work at a tech juggernaut can compete against a tech juggernaut yeah i, I think it's really interesting that a celebrities get into the space um yeah it, it's it's really important to bring awareness into the space and just get more consumers to experience these voice platforms, whether it's Omega or Alexa or Cortana. And, you know, with, with a big celebrity like him coming on board and kind of pushing the boundaries of natural language processing, I think it's going to be a, a big advantage to the whole ecosystem, not just Omega. And as a developer, it's kind of off-putting to see yet another platform that developers might have to build for. But I do think that it's going to be overall an advantage for consumers and for the ecosystem in general. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. While we're on the story, you know, one of the things that the article sort of points out are the use cases that are being sort of bandied about for what a, quote, enterprise voice assistant can do. And it's always it always seems to be the same stuff it's like meeting notes you know doing some reporting i think everyone agrees that enterprise is a place where voice assistants are going to live and be very productive and, and a total game changer but i want to ask both of you and brooke i'm going to start with you what is the number one use case um what's the killer app use case for voice assistants in the enterprise that's going to 
you know, sort of blow the doors off, either in what Nuance is doing or just what you would love to see happen? Hmm, that's a good question. Just as I'm thinking of what would be really useful, I think any of these applications that can do really deep integrations with tools and data um, would, would be really helpful. I think the thing that's really interesting that you mentioned was that capability for reporting. Um, so I think some kind of application that through voice and through minimal interaction from the user, you could kind of put together some data or reports that are deeply integrated to the actual data that you're using in your day-to-day work would be really exciting and interesting and kind of take a lot of that like fiddling around in Excel <laughs> uh, work out of my day um, if I could if I could get a voice assistant to do that. So I think some kind of, yeah, app, voice application with deep integration into the actual data that I use day to day would really feel like I'm having an assistant of my own. That, that would be actual work that I would love to off put on someone else if I had a real assistant. So no, that's a great that's a great example. Nick, what what do you think? What's your number one use case? I think Burke makes a really good point. Um, but also in addition to that, uh, just scheduling in general, um, you know, mm-hmm. booking a meeting with a coworker or you know, somebody you need to do business with, uh, I think it's going to be a huge play there. Uh, it's interesting to see that, you know, Will I am or Omega has come out and said that they want to approach the enterprise market when Microsoft seems well positioned to do that as well. Great analysis. Appreciate that. The only thing I would add, we discussed, uh, I believe it was last week on this show, Alexa and other voice assistants being able to help with email and sort email. Um, and it was pointed out that the article that was being referred to sort of, you know, didn't understand Alexa's capabilities, but it would be nice for me, in my opinion, if Alexa can get, or, or voice assistants in the enterprise, I should say, uh, get to the point where they can help, you know, with email. I, I wake up sometimes and say, okay, did I forget to put something on my calendar? It'd be great to do a voice query that's, that, you know, saying, Hey Omega, check my email real quick and make sure I didn't miss an appointment for today or make sure I responded to all the emails that have a due date of today or something like that. That'd probably be my number one. But no, that was great analysis on that. And it'll be interesting to see how uh, Will I Am's effort move forward, uh, but definitely had to start with that story. Our story number two is a bonus voicebot.ai story of the week. Uh, we included this because We couldn't find anyone else that mentioned the Google Home Max coming out on December 11th like Brett Kinsella did. So kudos to him for discovering that, you know, through the Best Buy website. So the story is exactly that. It's the Google Home Max, uh, which is Google's $400 competitor to the HomePod, is coming out in December and specifically has a date that uh, the VoiceBot crew found. And Nick, I'm going to start with you on this. Does this product excite you? And between the Google Home Max and the HomePod, which do you think will be more successful? So the, the product in general excites me. I think it's going to be a huge competitor to the HomePod, uh, especially because Google already has an ecosystem set up for developers to make actions for Google Assistant. And uh, Apple hasn't really come out and said anything about Siri Kit and how that's going to uh, work with their assistant. And then in, in regards to the Max as well, the, the price point seems a little too high. You know, I, I watched the keynote when the product was announced and I got really excited about it at first because I thought it would be a great set of speakers for a computer or a home entertainment setup. Um, and then the, the price was announced at 400 bucks. And I was thinking, wow, all right, if you want two of these things for good quality sound, you're going to be passing now basically a thousand dollars after taxes. Um, I think for a lot of consumers, that's just going to be out of reach. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think just in terms of thinking about all of these like home uh, products, definitely the price point is something that is really huge and uh, definitely impacts the accessibility of these project or products. I think that's something that Amazon does really well with the kind of breadth of the products that they offer. Some are able to be really affordable. Um, and I think just thinking about households and Christmas time and all the different gifts that you get your family, I think definitely getting something to try out voice um, assistance in your home that's less expensive before making that big leap is is more appealing. I think the HomePod might be more successful. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I guess I don't have good, a, as good of a pulse on uh, the number of audio files that would want to get a voice assistant a speaker versus go just invest in in a speaker that is like really good without a voice assistant um without the apple i guess just isn't in the or i'm sorry google isn't in the the vein of designing these home you know speaker systems really yet so this is kind of the first so i don't know maybe it'll take this first wave of adoption before they're kind of known as the in vogue home speaker manufacturers and then maybe it'll catch on from there it will be interesting to see. I, I look at the Google Home Max, and it looks like a car battery to me. Uh, it's this it's this big boxy thing, so it doesn't <laughs> look it doesn't look visually appealing, but it does look like it can deliver the audio. You know what I mean? It looks like a pretty serious product, just uh, the physicality of it. Um, but I do find it curious that the HomePod has been discussed negatively from the standpoint of the cost of it uh, at 350 bucks, And Google Home actually decided, uh, Google Home Max decided to go higher. I mean, they easily could have just said, okay, we're going to match the price of the HomePod. But, you know, there was some discussion that took place on, are we going to match the price of the HomePod or not? And they decided that, no, they're not going to. I find that fascinating. I don't know really what it means. I guess it signals confidence in the product, but I don't know. I think both of them will do poorly, to be honest with you. But I think that the Google Home Max is the one that I think I would be more interested in at least hearing and learning more about. But that's just me. Moving on to story number three. The BBC has released its Alexa-based interactive fiction experience called The Inspection Chamber. So we talked about this on this show months ago when they had first announced this and um, it's going to be very interesting to see how voice technology you know, voice first technology gets utilized and uh, put to work for interactive storytelling there's already some really great companies doing it you know novel effect was just on shark tank and got a large investment earplay is another one Televils is another one uh, who's a sponsor of the Alexa conference coming up in January, uh, shameless plug. But it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm looking forward to trying out this BBC game. And then the other thing that was worth mentioning in the same breath is that there is a Stranger Things interactive audio game that is available in the Google Voice Assistant ecosystem, uh, not to be outdone. So, Brooke, I'm going to start with you. What is your takeaway from these stories and... Does interactive game do interactive games, interactive storytelling like this? Does it excite you, or do, does it strike you as something that uh, it's a little bit before its time right now? No, yeah, this definitely excites me. I think my original background um, is definitely in literature and writing, and 
Um, I think I just have a soft spot for seeing arts and all, all those kind of like softer um, <laughs> disciplines make their way into this technology world. I think it's really fun and a good way to kind of make these technologies more approachable or more engaging or feel, you know, less task-based and more just entertainment-based by kind of getting into these different realms. What kind of intrigues me the most is that I think there's really ripe um, capacity here for these to integrate as well with like virtual reality or augmented reality. When you're kind of getting into this immersive story world, I think it's interesting to think about them taking one step even further and feeling these stories in a more tactile way along with this like really immersive audio. So I think it's cool. I think we're seeing the beginning parts of it and it will only continue to be uh, more of an, a new entertainment channel for us to explore. No, that's great. And I couldn't agree more as far as AR and, and perhaps down the road VR are concerned. You know, it's it's not necessarily voice technology, it's voice first, right? And so that means it can be combined with uh, any number of other sensory uh, aspects, you know, including, you know, augmented reality or whatever else. Nick, do you agree with Brooke or do you see this differently? And how did these articles strike you? Yeah, I, I totally agree with Brooke. I think that these interactive stories are going to be the next big wave of publishing. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more more books and you know, maybe even news articles start to happen through voice interfaces where they're more interactive. You know, I, I saw an article recently about a polling system. So imagine being able to uh, poll your readers or listeners as they're interacting with the content or you know, changing the content as you go through the story. I, I grew up in the era of Goosebumps books where you could kind of choose your own path as you read the book. Yes. Um, and that was a super interactive experience. And it was really fun as a kid to read that book. And, and basically, you'd, you'd read it over and over again, choosing different paths each time, right? So having that experience in a voice application, I really think is going to be big over the next year or so. That's a great example. And the Goosebump books were the uh, sort of a spiritual successor from Choose Your Own Adventure books. You ever read those? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, there's there's many different ways the technology can be applied, and I think we're actually starting to see some of that. You know, the companies I mentioned, Novel Effect, Earplay, Telebulls, they're not cookie cutters of each other. They do very different types of things. It's interesting to me to see. I couldn't agree more, Nick, with your statement of we're looking at the future of publishing. There's no doubt about that, and it's interesting from where I sit the rise of audiobooks and also podcasts, uh, for mm -hmm. that matter, people want audio content and there's a lot of things driving it. Commute times, free, more free time that we have. There's a lot of different factors, but uh, people want audio content. And then you take that a step further and figure out, okay, how can we make this interactive and employ these voice first technologies to add another layer to it? And it just opens up a lot of exciting possibilities. So yeah, I, I completely agree with both y'all's sentiments on this. So we will move on. Story number four is from Fast Company. And this is a very interesting piece that echoes in many ways a thought process that has been discussed on this show several times and on other Voice First FM podcasts. Uh, the article is called, For Amazon, The Future of Alexa is About the End of the Smartphone Era. And the article covers a lot of a lot of ground, but the overall theme of it is that voice technology and voice-first technology, whatever word you want to use, is the successor to the smartphone. It's what 
uh, will replace the smartphone. And uh, that's the trajectory that we're on. And Nick, I'm going to start with you. Do you agree with that premise, number one? Number two, what else did you get out of the article? What what did you take away? So I don't necessarily agree with the idea that it's going to kind of kill the smartphone. I think the, the interactions that we have with smartphones or tablets, uh, they offer a more engaging experience than what someone can ultimately do with with only a voice experience. Uh, you know, Amazon tried the Fire Phone, they tried, you know, the, the phone path and they just couldn't do it. There's a lot of competition there, but they're they're really set up well for the voice space. I mean, they they own what 75% of the market I think right now. So yes. I think the, the path that they can take is going to be, you know, simplifying the tasks that we do on our phones like like uh, scheduling or calling people, but leaving the more more engaging, more uh power hungry such situations like uh, high definition games, obviously you still need a phone for that, or some kind of gaming system or portable device. So I think they're going to focus on the everyday tasks and be able to uh, dominate that market. So I think we'll see smartphones becoming very um, use case based. You might, not, you might not carry a smartphone if all you do is call people or text people. But if you like to look at your Twitter feed or play a game, then you might have a smartphone. That's very a very interesting way to look at that. And I definitely agree. I think there's going to have to be something, something visual, right? I think the question is, is it this, this rectangle that you hold in your hand, like I'm holding mine in my hand right now, or, you know, through AR or some other, not voice technology, but voice first technology, does it work its way into some other form factor. And Brooke, I'll ask you, do you share Nick's opinion on the smartphone is going to be with us for the foreseeable future? Or do you think that voice technology is bringing that to an end sooner than we thought? What What are your thoughts from this article? Yeah, I think I definitely agree with Nick's assessment. I think as well, um, it's really interesting to think about the fact that, you know, data is showing users are downloading less apps. So, you know, the things that users are doing with their phones are kind of set in stone or you kind of get your routine with your smartphone day to day. And, and you know, I also have people in my life that kind of are finding that they're meeting their like <laughs> attention cap. Um, so like between working all day and being on the computer and between going home and having their different devices that they interact with, sometimes the smartphone is this like additional thing that they carry around that they're always kind of having their attention drawn away from. And I think another thing this article touched on was the fact that, you know, voice assistants at home might have this capability to kind of reduce that the detrimental health effects of having that constant attention on. So yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that the smartphone will go away. Um, but I think voice assistants are definitely allowing people to rethink how they're spending their attention and all the different screens they literally have with them all the time. And maybe how um, the, the voice interface could mitigate some of that stuff or sync together some of those interfaces so that maybe when you do use your smartphone throughout the day, you're not glued to it. Or maybe you get something like, I, I've been seeing advertisements for the simple phone, like a simple phone where you can just text and call. Um, and then when you go home, maybe you play with your smartphone and your voice assistant. So it's definitely opening up a new landscape, I think, for people to to pick and choose what things they want to use their attention on rather than feeling like they have to have everything all the time. There was a time a year or two ago where I did not have a smartphone. I've had an iPhone for the most part since they've come out. And uh, I stupidly got into uh, the pool when we were down on a vacation. Uh, and I didn't realize that my iPhone was in my pocket 
<laughs> and that was the end of that piece of hardware, uh, despite a valiant effort to save it. And I went the next two or three weeks with a phone, a little flip phone, uh, that was like $9. And the phone really didn't receive texts. I had a lot of people afterward tell me they tried to text me. I never got, uh, I got like 10% of those texts. Uh, it was almost impossible to send a text uh, that made any sense. The keyboard was like non-existent. And calls didn't really come through that well either. Sometimes they didn't, sometimes they didn't. And I'm telling you, that was one of the most peaceful <laughs> couple of weeks that I have ever had. <laughs> and so the idea of the smartphone going away is a very romantic notion, I think, for a lot of people, including me. Um, and I, as, a, as, a, as a final note on this, I do find it fascinating as well. We're seeing a crop of articles being written um, I almost included one in the news articles for this show. We're seeing a lot of people write about how they believe that the smart speaker is going to go away. Uh, the smart speaker is very much in vogue right now. You got your Amazon hardware, your Google hardware, you have your HomePod, you got different, you know, the, the uh, Microsoft, the Harman Kardon deal. But there's a lot of people writing right now about how they think smart speakers will have this like, supernova type of you know popularity and then vanish because they will get integrated into other hardware and they will cease to need to be uh, their own hardware. And I find those articles very interesting in light of this discussion where, you know, so the smart speaker can, you know, show up for a little bit and have its heyday and then it just goes away because it gets subsumed in other technology. But for some reason, Nobody seems to think that can go on with the smartphone or there's a less clear path to that. I find that very interesting as well, uh, just as a side note to this. Story number five is an interesting one, to say the least. Mattel delays kids' voice assistant, Hello Barbie Hologram, through this holiday season and is now scheduled to release it next year. I didn't quite know what to make of this. So Brooke, I'm going to start with you. What should I take away from this article? Is this something to be celebrated that voice assistants uh, have penetrated our culture to the point where we are learning there is a hello Barbie hologram? Or is this something to sort of raise the red flag and say, hold up, uh, we're moving a little too quick. We may not be ready for this. Uh, what What's your take? I don't know. There's so many issues with this. I, I think it's interesting that uh, from an accessibility standpoint or like a, a awareness standpoint, people know what holograms are and know what voice assistants are. And there apparently is a market for this. But then in terms of like the actual accessibility of these products to get into homes, I mean, the price point is is so big. I can't imagine <laughs> um, a lot of parents being excited about spending that much on one kind of standalone uh, product that I mean it's not like an Xbox or like any kind of other game console that you might spend that much on it can only kind of do the one thing and it's in kind of that closed cloud they mentioned um, so that you know children's privacy is taken into an account but there's kind of a finite amount of things that this voice assistant would be able to do it it is interesting but I think the main issue here as well is that it has the capability to kind of level the playing field and require less different um, you know individual products you need and kind of allows for a more like ubiquitous flattened way to access technology across 
all different mediums and modalities and, you know, things like that. And this kind of is like a disparate, another product you'd have to have in your home that can't really connect with all of these other cool interfaces. Um, so I don't know from, from a functional standpoint, I probably wouldn't get one in my home, but I mean, it does show that people are paying attention to these things and there are markets for them. So that's probably a good thing. Yeah. When I saw this article, I actually had no idea that this product was even going to exist in the first place. So that, that can tell you something there. And as I read the article, I saw that they claimed that they had 100 pre-orders for the product. And I was thinking, wow, that might be a reason why they postponed it. Um, that's not very many pre-orders. And especially at you know $225 per unit, um, that's an expensive kid's toy. You know, thinking back you know, as a kid and someone who grew up with a younger sister, this, this kind of toy, I don't think it's something that would get a lot of use uh, from a kid. And it's, it's only voice-based and a lot of um, kids and part of growing up is kind of doing the, like pretending, you know, having a physical toy that you can play with um, and to kind of talk to and have conversations with other toys with. And I, I just don't see this being an engaging product for a kid. So you're saying it sucks. Uh, yeah. I mean, TLDR. Yeah. I'm saying it sucks. <laughs> um, I, I could be wrong. You never know. Uh, no, it doesn't look like you're wrong, and you're absolutely right. The article just sort of drops real quietly in the second half of the piece that there was 100 pre-orders, and in your your response to that was exactly what mine was. I was like, well, shoot, you didn't want to put that in the headline? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a big sign that things aren't going to work out. <laughs> and it, I think even more telling than that was this is not the first rodeo for this thing. They had a 2015 Hello Barbie uh, deal where you talk to Barbie and it's a conversational toy, you know, a conversational gadget. And there, this is sort of building off of that, uh, as opposed to doing something completely from scratch. I think that that probably makes the fact that they had a hundred pre-orders, uh, worse. But the other thing I wanted to mention too, in the article, it's just a fascinating article, fascinating product, encourage people to read this is, uh, I'm going to read this paragraph verbatim. Hello Barbie hologram will be the first artificial intelligence paired with hologram aimed at the toy market, according to the company, and is meant for children ages six and up. And then it says it will be priced $225, which, yeah, is a, is a lot of money. But it's like every company just wants to bandy about the words artificial intelligence. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing about this product that in any way should be using the words artificial intelligence. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, it could be a great product. I'm not taking anything away from it, but uh, artificial intelligence, you know, using those words is not your license to charge a uh, large price premium uh, or, or attempt to. But uh, no, that's interesting. I'm, I'm glad to get y'all's take on that. I, I found this fascinating as well, and that's why I wanted to uh, include it. Part of me thinks it might just be a marketing play by, by Mattel you know, to get their brand name out there a little bit. That sure. definitely makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. From that standpoint, it really doesn't matter. I mean, you know, if they're going to release something and a hundred people buy it, it's probably better to just sort of shelve it and then get the press, get the media talking about it. They probably got more out of that than anything else. Any other comments on any of the stories that we've covered today? Yeah. One, one quick thing. Um, you know, the article about having uh, Alexa or Cortana, you know, voice assistants replace the smartphone I think a big opportunity is going to be as more and more businesses and homes have these voice assistants, uh, these dedicated hardware voice assistants in their home, 
um, there's going to be a huge opportunity for people to just walk into, you know, a, a place of business or be invited over to somebody else's home. And then immediately you can start talking to their voice assistant under the context of your own profile. You know, Amazon has the, the voice profiles right now where it can recognize who's talking. And so is Google. Um, you know, imagine combining that with your phone so that your phone, as you walk into a room, syncs with a dedicated hardware device like a, a Amazon Alexa, you know, Echo speaker or Google Assistant. And it knows that, hey, this person's in the room. When I hear them talk, because I know their voice pro their voice voice profile, I can now customize everything to them, even though that's not their device. I'd be up for that. <laughs> I would love that. I think that's gonna be the next play for Amazon and Google. Just kind of having a universal voice profile that that spans across devices, not just your own devices. And in that sense, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea just to have, you know, it tied to a smartphone or tied to something else that's on your person. Because I always think back to that company. Have you all heard of this company, Liarbird? Are you all familiar with that? No. (laughs) So, Nick, did you say yes? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Brooke, this company, Liarbird.ai, you should go to it's It's L-Y-R-E-B-I-R-D.ai, I think, is what it is. But uh, it is a company that has developed this technology that essentially allows mimicking of your voice. So if I understand the technology, uh, and Nick, feel free to correct me if I, if I don't, um, if this company, Liarbird, can take a 30 to 60 second clip of your voice and with that um, input alone can then uh, make any sentence in the world out of your voice or, and, and just sort of have, you know, it can have your voice at that point. Nick, if I got that right. Yep. That was my understanding of it. And it's, it's both cool, creepy and scary all at the same time. <laughs> it's super, yeah, super scary. And uh, as I think I may have mentioned on this podcast or, or a different show before, when you go on a website and, and you're hit with this huge legal disclaimer at the top, you know, even before you figure out what the, what the underlying product is, it's, uh, that's pretty telling. And that's exactly what Liarbird, <laughs> appropriately, that's exactly what you see on that website. But uh, it's a very cool technology uh, as well, if it's uh, used the right way. But uh, that's, uh, Nick, you, you mentioning uh, what you just did about your voice sort of following you and your context and everything just uh, reminded me of that. Brooke and Nick, this has been great. Thank you very, very much for your time today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. This has been great. Appreciate both of y'all sharing your insight and your experience and your expertise uh, with not just me, but the audience as well. For This Week in Voice, thank you for listening. And until next time.